team game. Um, you, you brought know. it up. I wasn't going to. Yeah, I, I know you weren't going to, but I knew I was going to. Uh, I let my guy, Tommy Bushke from uh, Hello Water Down today, who was out here playing with us, and you took down Nolan Murphy, who's going to be in for you in a couple weeks. Yeah. You and Nolan just took us down. I'm just trying to lean on my partners. I pick good partners, and, uh, you know, we came out here, and we should do a – our show's on the road more often because I usually make money off you only. Yeah, day. I know. It's just I don't like it. I don't like it. Between you and Spano and you and you and Murphy, <laughs> just giving out money all the time. But uh, unfortunately, we do start today's show, uh, I guess, on, on more of a, you know, a down note because the most significant news to me, and it's not even just the golf world of Wisconsin, which certainly he last left a lasting impact, but the golf world in general with the passing of Herb Kohler at the age of 83, uh, ran the Kohler company for a number of years, and then started a, the, the destination golf business here in the state of Wisconsin, first with Black Wolf Run, then Whistling Straits, and the Irish, and the addition, then on over at Black Wolf Run to have the two courses there. The you know needed, needed golf hospitality, and I know he shared this with you. The reason he built Whistling Straits is because they had too many backed-up tee times at Black Wolf Run because of the American Club and, and everything they've built there. But he also had a worldwide stamp, Stephen, because of what he did renovating the hotel and making the hotel at the old course that you see on the 17th hole. The property that you have to hit it over on the 17th hole at the road hole, one of the most famous holes in all of golf, is owned by the Kohler Company because of, of what Mr. Kohler was able to do. Yeah, we lost a Titan. Um, over the weekend in Herb Kohler. And Gabe, I, I think it's fair to say that this show does not happen without Herb Kohler. Because when we thought about starting this show, it was in build-up to the Ryder Cup. And it was Herb Kohler who made that happen. Um, the unbelievable property that he helped create with Pete Dye up in Sheboygan County is a destination for golfers worldwide. And it created a landscape of golf across this state that made Lock LaBelle happen, where we're sitting right now, and made Aaron Hills happen. And um, Herb's vision and obviously the success that they had in the plumbing company was able to finance what is really one of the most remarkable golf properties in the world with those four championship-caliber courses that hosted championships and just this past September hosted arguably the biggest golf tournament in the world in the Ryder Cup, one that America won in historic fashion with Steve Stricker as the captain. And what makes me so happy um, was that Herb was there to witness it. And when you think about what that event meant to him, the pride he took in Wisconsin golf, but golf in Kohler and just golf worldwide for him to be able to sit there and, and hold that trophy up high at the end. That That's what I'm thinking about today when I think about Herb Kohler. Yeah, and, and you did a tremendous interview with him last year in the run-up to the Ryder Cup, um, a video that you shared with me that I remember watching then, and I rewatched it when you sent it to me. And, you know, Herb just kind of pointing out, like, you know, they're going from Paris to New to, York to, to, to New York. To Rome, yeah, and then you've got Kohler, Wisconsin, <laughs> in between that. Um, you know these worldwide destinations that people know, and then Kohler, and that again, that was all because of of his vision and what he saw the potential in him between him and Pete Dye. Yeah, and I, I do want to talk a, a little bit about that interview because that was one of the more memorable moments I've had in my career so far. Um, as you know, I'm a 
very big fan of golf and a very big fan of that property up in up in Sheboygan. And leading up to the Ryder Cup, I just kind of talked to their PR team. Hey, I would love to sit down with her. Um, I know that his health was starting to decline a little bit. He didn't do a whole lot of public interviews. Um, but I knew that from a TV perspective, nobody had really showcased just how grand this was. I mean, a lot of people that aren't true golf fans didn't understand the scope of the Ryder Cup. Let's have Herb talk about what this means to the state of Wisconsin. We ended up sitting on the 10th tee box at Whistling Straits um, as the sun was setting with the grandstands in the backdrop and the lake, which Herb made sure the lake was always involved because he was very proud of the property that they purchased to build Whistling Straits on. And you know how many of those golf holes are right along Lake Michigan and how beautiful that is. And we ended up sitting down for about a half hour talking about golf, um, his vision, the idea of the Ryder Cup, what the Ryder Cup not only means to the golf world, but to the state of Wisconsin and what that event was going to look like. And my main takeaway from that was this man has a larger than life presence. I mean, when he was walking up to sit down with me, he has the big cane and the big booming voice. And he kind of felt like my grandfather was going to pinch my cheeks when we were like <laughs> about to do the interview. And he was just so excited when I started, when I just mentioned Ryder Cup to him, his face lit up. And he has such a presence about him in such a way of sharing words and stories that um, I was, I asked for 10 minutes and he gave me 30. And I probably asked 10 questions max. I mean, he just, he was so excited to talk golf and to talk Ryder Cup and that property. And it was one of those memorable days at work. Um, and, and knowing that it was one of the last interviews that he did, um, it just makes me so happy to know that he was able to publicly talk about his love for that property and for that event and to know that he was there to witness the win is is something special to talk more about herb kohler and what he meant to the state of wisconsin nobody covered herb the way that gary damato did whether yeah. it was at the journal sentinel whether he was writing for wisconsin.golf and the, we had an opportunity to catch up with gary earlier today because of course gary's out there covering the wisconsin senior open uh, out at uh, at hidden glen today a two-day tournament that they have out there but we were pleased to be joined earlier today we caught up with gary damato so gary could share his thoughts on the passing of herb kohler and we are pleased to be joined now you can check out his great work over at Wisconsin.golf, where uh, he had a great piece about the passing of Herb Kohler. Um, it's our friend Gary D'Amato. Gary, thank you so much for taking some time and talking with us. Yeah, Gabe, Stephen, happy to be on. So you got to know Herb. You covered him for a number of years when you were at the Journal Sentinel and, and, and as you continued career at, at Wisconsin.golf. What is the biggest memory? What's the lasting memory that you have of Herb Kohler? You know, it, it's a lot of things. I guess, you know, he was such a charismatic guy when he had such a uh, distinctive look and, and voice and laugh that when he walked in a room, he just commanded a room just by his presence. Um, I, there's so many little anecdotes and stories from over the years, my interactions with him. I remember he told one great story about how he was leaving a Duke's course one day that, they, uh, that the Kohler Company owns in Scotland and saw a sign that was crooked pointing to the course and it was it was like uh, over a ditch, and he tried to um, straighten the sign and fell into the ditch, and it was a water-filled ditch, and he couldn't get out. And when he finally crawled his way out of the ditch, he was late for a tea time at the old course, so he jumped in the shower with all his clothes on, <laughs> ran out to the first tee, and he was playing with Tim Fincham and some big shots from, from TV, 
And uh, he made a hole in one on the 11th hole. Um, and when he told that story, I mean, that was just such a funny story. Um, he was a good storyteller. Gary, um, put simply, how or what does Herb Kohler mean to Wisconsin golf? You know, his impact, I think, was just enormous. I, you know, I, I think I called him in my column that he was the most influential and important figure in Wisconsin golf history, and I really believe that. You know, if he didn't build those four courses up there, and hopefully a fifth on the way up in up in Kohler and Sheboygan County. You know, I'm not so sure we have a, a bog and an Aaron Hills and a bull at Piner's Farms and a Sand Valley. And I'm not sure, so sure that we get, well, we definitely don't get all those championships that came up to Kohler and maybe some of and because there'd be no other courses um, of, of note in our state, we wouldn't be getting all the championships that we've gotten at, at some of these other courses too. So, you know, and all the tourism dollars he brought into our state, all the local businesses that profited from from the championships coming here, just just enormous, um, just enormous. He's got a huge legacy. Talking with Gary D'Amato of Wisconsin.Golf, you can read his great column on the passing of Herb Kohler over at Wisconsin.Golf. In the in the column, you call him your friend. You you say you you developed a friendship with him over the years. How were you able to do that? Because I mean, I only met him a couple of times, Gary, and he's such an intimidating presence. You're calling him Mr. Kohler, and yet you were able to really develop a great relationship with him. You know, I was. I think I think at first he was, you know, when I was a reporter for the Journal Sentinel, I think he was a little guarded with me at first when, when he was building his golf courses. But as time went on, I think he could see, I think he saw that he could, he could trust me and that I was fair, um, hopefully, with my reporting. Um, and... You know, we just had a lot in common, I guess. Our mutual love of the golf of game uh, of the game of golf was was number one. He really loved the game. I mean, he was a latecomer to the game. He didn't play golf until he was well into his fifties and building golf courses. But he he became a very avid player, and I think he could sense that that I felt the same way about golf. And I think that's what sort of you know we were we close? No, we were we certainly weren't close. But um, but I would definitely call him a friend. I had a lot of. A lot of interviews with him over the years that really became one-hour conversations, um, and, and I, I really cherished uh, the, the times that I did get to spend with him. There's nothing like a, uh, a short response from Herb Kohler. They don't exist <laughs> whenever you're talking to Herb. Um, right. Gary, from all of the work you did covering the Ryder Cup in Wisconsin, did you get a sense of just what that meant to him to pull that off and to witness it in person and how much that would have meant to him? It was, you know, it was definitely, I think, his biggest accomplishment in golf, um, you know, uh, after the building of the golf courses. I mean, he, he got championships. He got PGA championships and U.S. Women's Opens. But the Ryder Cup is a global event. You know, it's it's broadcast in hundreds of countries. It, the world pays attention to it. And he brought that spotlight on, on little, you know, Kohler slash Sheboygan, Wisconsin. He was very proud of that. and um, And it's also... You know, it's a huge revenue producer for both the PG of America and for the Kohler Company. So, um, from that aspect, it was it was very big to him. But but more than that, I think he just loved that he was able to bring this world renowned event to Wisconsin. He was very proud of that. 
Talking with Gary D'Amato, Wisconsin.golf is where you can find Gary's column on the passing of Herb Kohler, the giant in the Wisconsin golf community. And Gary, one of my favorite Herb Kohler stories has to do with our mutual friend, Homer. Uh, so we had the Wisconsin Sports Awards were up in Kohler at Herb's properties for a couple of years uh, back in the middle part of last decade. And backstage at one of the events, Homer's talking with Herb and asks Herb to rank the four courses. And Herb goes, well, that's like ranking your kids. Do you rank your kids? And Homer goes, yep. And we're listing them off. One, two, three. Like, like just like that. <laughs> Expecting that then he would get an answer from Herb, and Herb instead just shook his head and walked away. And then later saw Homer and goes, oh, hey, it's the guy who ranks his kids. Um, if you had to rank the four courses on property at Black Wolf Run in Whistling Straits, how would you rank them? Wow, that, that, that is a tough one. But I think you have to go with Whistling Straits number one just because of how dramatic it is right on the lake there and because of the championships it's hosted. And then I suppose you put the river course number two. It's um, it's so beautiful out there and, of course, played a huge role um, in the U.S. Women's Opens in 1998 and 2012. And then, you know, it's kind of a toss-up, I think, between Meadow Valleys and Irish course. They're both, they're both really good, but I would put Meadow Valleys – I think it's more playable than the Irish course, more fun to play maybe. And uh, But when I say that and I say I'm ranking the Irish course you know, fourth or last among his courses, it's still pretty dang good. Gary, any word on the fifth course? You know, I think it's going to happen. You know, the Kohler Company is involved, has been involved, as a lot of people know, in a prolonged legal battle. There have been some, some courtroom um, battles that, have, that Kohler has fought and won, Kohler's lawyers, Kohler Company's lawyers. There's still a couple more issues that I think have to be resolved, but I I do believe it's it's going to happen. It is company-owned land, and the sticking point was an easement that the company asked for through Kohler uh, Andre State Park, and in return they were there was a mitigation in which they were giving you know the state back some some acres. So, uh, you know I think it's going to happen. Um, my big my big question is who's going to finish the course at Pete Dye started. I, I can't wait to see what happens with that, and that's going to be an ongoing story over the next couple of years here. You mentioned Pete Dye as we talked with Gary D'Amato about the passing of Herb Kohler. You can check out his column at wisconsin.golf. What was the relationship between Pete and Herb like? Because it was Herb's money, it was Herb's vision, but it was Pete who brought those properties to life. Well, they were at times uh, at odds early on. Um, Herb, Herb, I think, almost fired him a couple times when they were building the first course. Uh, There's a famous story in which, you know, Herb told Pete not expressly forbade him to cut down a stand of trees because Herb, uh, Herb was an environmentalist and a conservationist. He, he loved the outdoors. And there was a stand of trees that Pete wanted to take down, and Herb said, absolutely not. Well, Herb went out to the course later in the day. Pete was long gone, and there, there were stumps where the trees were, and there was a, a fire. You know, the, the trees were all burning in a pile. And he almost fired him then and there. But, you know, over the years, I think they became very close. They were, they were really like brothers at the very end, you know, before Pete passed away. Um, they had a mutual respect and, I would say, love for each other. Gary, when was the last time you had an opportunity to talk to Herb? I talked to him at the Ryder Cup um, on the last day on Sunday. Um, I was ushered into the Kohler Hospitality Chalet, and Herb was watching um, the Ryder Cup on a big screen TV, And but he was kind of dozing. It had been a really big week for him, obviously, and they kind of nudged him awake and said, Gary's here, and he brightened up, and we had a chat for about 20 minutes. 
I saw him earlier this year at the Golf Riders Association uh, annual dinner in Augusta, and he was in a, in a wheelchair and looking pretty frail, and I was concerned at that point, you know, about his health. Um, but, but I didn't really talk to him that night. I, so the last time was, was at the Ryder Cup. Gary, what are you going to appreciate most about your friendship with her? You know, just that he confided in me, that he trusted me, um, and that I knew, you know, a lot of people couldn't get to him. And in, in fact, I was told that about a year and a half ago, I did the last one-on-one interview with him. Um, he basically stopped doing them after the one he did with me for the book I wrote on the Ryder Cup. But um, I really cherish the fact that he, um, you know, he entrusted me. He gave me, you know, I had a cell phone number. Not that I, I would ever call him, you know, in the middle of the day to say hi. But there were a couple of times I called him for important issues, and he was, uh, he, he got back to me. And I just, uh, I'm just thankful that uh, for everything he did for golf in Wisconsin. Gary, I know you're a busy guy. You're covering the Wisconsin State Senior Open today out at uh, at Hidden Glen. So I hope the wind's not blowing too much and, and you're able to actually, you know, it doesn't knock you over anything because the wind can just get brutal out there. Uh, but we, yeah, appreci- <laughs> we appreciate the time and, and you jumping on to talk about, um, as you called him, and, and I, after reading your, your column, I have a hard time disputing it, the most influential sports uh, golf figure in, in the history of Wisconsin golf. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Happy to do this. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, always uh, pleased to be joined by Gary D'Amato, who shared his thoughts. Uh, again, he covered uh, Herb Kohler and, and everything that went on with those properties more than anyone. So glad that he could share his thoughts on the passing of such a golf giant here in the state of Wisconsin. Oh, the T's opening segment brought to you by Heartland Movement Center. Improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team. Learn more at heartlandmovementcenter.com. Some things that we didn't get into last week about some of the changes in the PGA Tour, and they had a big effect on the Corn Ferry Tour events that happened this past weekend. We dive into some of those coming up next on the team. The opening segment was brought to you by Heartland Movement Center. Improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team. Learn more at heartlandmovementcenter.com. On the tee with Gabe and Steven continues next on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Downtown. 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 Hanging out at Lac La Belle out in Oconomowoc. Stephen and I are going to be giving a full review in just a little bit. We also do have to preview... The U.S. Mid-Am, which is going to be happening right here in the state of Wisconsin at Blue Mountain Country Club. And, of course, Aaron Hills starting on Saturday. The championship director of that, Bill McCarthy, going to be joining us in about eight minutes. But right now, we dive into It's All About the Drive, courtesy of our friends at Ewald Automotive. Sometimes it's all about the drive. But off the tee, it's all about the drive. The best and biggest shots of the weekend. That house is like 400 yards away. Is that good? That's unbelievable. It's all about the drive. On On the Tee is brought to you by Ewald Automotive. Shop the Ewald Automotive Group, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile limited warranty on all new vehicles. Visit any of their eight locations today, in-store or online at ewaldautomotive.com. Ewald Automotive, we make it easy. It was certainly all about the drive on the Corn Ferry Tour this past week as they had their Corn Ferry Tour finals. It's one of my favorite events to watch, Stephen, especially after things on the PGA Tour have wrapped up. Yes, if you wanted to watch live via YouTube, you could, but no. the one thing that this tournament provides that live does not is context. Like, okay, 
Dustin Johnson just made an eagle putt that won him four million bucks. Cool. <laughs> doesn't really mean anything more than that. It really doesn't on Live right now. Yeah. But for a lot of these guys on the Corn Ferry Tour, it's about the drive to get to the PGA Tour. And it means a little bit more now because you get $500,000 up front for getting that PGA Tour card. Yes, now you earn against that. So your first $500,000 that you earn on course go back to the Tour. But to have that 500k up front to me is just going to help a lot of these guys become successful because you can set up and you know make sure you have your coach in line you have you know whatever you know workout facility that you're you're not necessarily having to go out there right away and perform so you can start paying people to try to get yourself to be better you can kind of set that up on the front end and then help yourself be better and be able to earn maybe some of that 500k back quicker. Yeah, I mean, there's there's only so many Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth type of stories where you have guys who are just making millions as teenagers, young 20s. I mean, a lot of the great PGA Tour players are the guys who grind their way through the Corn Ferry Tour. This allows them essentially to have a situation where you see in baseball and almost every professional sport where they have a minimum salary that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that you are a professional athlete. You have made it. This is part of your dues. And as you said, they can invest in themselves a little bit more and they can try and continue to grow the game and understand that they have the financial means because as great as it is to play professional golf, it's not cheap, Gabe. No. And it's not cheap to fly all around the world and play every single weekend. And for these Corn Ferry guys who are probably playing 40-plus weekends out of a calendar year, this gives them an opportunity to try and qualify and, and be better professional golfers. It's better for the game overall. Yeah, and again, the, the PGA Tour ends up making them whole anyway if they end up not getting to that $500,000, which I think would have only happened to one or two guys over the past five years. It's, it's, it's very rare for it to happen. But just to have that money up front just kind of takes some of the stress out. Because, yeah, you do, you know, instead of trying to, you know, stay at the Red Roof Inn because it's the cheapest, maybe yeah. you can have a little bit better accommodations for yourself. I'm sure anybody who's played realizes, oh, man, why did I play, why did I play bad today? Oh, it's because I only got four hours of sleep last night? Yeah, what turns out, when you're well-rested, Stephen, and yeah. then try to do an athletic activity... It's better for you. And and the way that this is designed, it, you know, the rich are going to get richer on the PGA Tour with all the money that they somehow found to pay these players more and have more elevated events and, and so on and so forth. But it allows the the low-tier guys to survive longer. And that, that, I think, is the most important part of where this money is going. The $500,000, I mean, that's life-changing money for these guys who are used to making probably less than 100000 for most of their life trying to be professional golfers. And it's performance in you know base business where you earn the money based on how well you finish so for them to have that type of money i, I think will allow them and, and golf in general just be more competitive yeah again having that money up front to me is just it, it's a huge difference it's a small subtle difference but it means i think a lot to those guys because they can hit the ground running right away on the pga tour when that fall schedule starts this year versus all right well now i'm on the pga tour Okay, where do I stay? Got to make one? some cuts. Yeah, I got to now. Got to make some cuts, and there's a lot of pressure on yourself, especially early on, where I think you can now relax a little bit and, and play some some pretty good golf on the PGA Tour. So it's always fun to watch. I don't watch a ton of Corn Ferry Tour golf, but I enjoy watching that final weekend, that Saturday, that Sunday, and it's not even just for the leader, you know, because a lot of times that guy who's number one in those Corn Ferry rankings. He knows he's fine, yep. whatever. It's those guys that, you know, one putt one way or the other kind of ends up swaying 
your life, you know, yeah. whether or not you're going to be on the Corn Ferry Tour, whether or not you're going to get limited starts on the PGA Tour, if you're going to be a full-fledged PGA Tour member, it's it's certainly always a lot of fun to see. Also a lot of fun to see guys that play golf for the absolute love of it, and that's what the mid-am is. Not guys that, you know, are, are trying to take the am and, and launch a pro career off it. No, the mid-am is for those guys 25 years and older who are still amateurs, not that college golfer who you know is looking to do some some damage at the next level as well. And it's a cool event, and if you don't know much about it, we're going to explain it with the championship director of the 41st U.S. Mid-Amateur at Aaron Hills and Blue Mountain Country Club and Bill McCarthy. We're going to talk with Bill coming up next on the tee. Back to the course and on the tee with Gabe and Steven after this on 94.5 ESPN. This is On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Just because football season is here doesn't mean golf season is going anywhere. So make sure you get out to Fairways of Woodside in Sussex. Great atmosphere, great food, drink menu, amazing hospitality. We love going out there in about a month's time. We're going to be out there with the On the Tee Open, one of the events we love doing out there. Check them out. Book your tea time. Fairwaysofwoodside.com. Cool events coming up right here in the state of Wisconsin on Saturday. The stroke play portion of the 41st U.S. Mid-Am begins at Aaron Hills and at Blue Mound Country Club in Tosa and to discuss it more, we welcome in the championship director for that championship, the 41st U.S. Mid-Amateur. We welcome in Bill McCarthy. Bill, thank you so much for the time. Oh, you're welcome. Glad, glad to be here. So what about Aaron Hills and Blue Mountain Country Club made them attractive for this type of championship for the USGA? Well, I think, you know, we've had a long relationship with Aaron Hills. Uh, even since, uh, you know, when they first put a shovel in the ground, there was great anticipation about the property and the club. And, you know, we've just worked so well hand-in-hand hand with them uh, that it was a great partnership from the word go. And when they presented us the opportunity to uh, join up with Blue Mound and host the Mid-Am this year, we jumped all over it. We couldn't resist. Bill, we uh, Gabe and I are are two golfers who love stroke play, but we love match play even more. Um, how did you guys go about choosing these two courses? And in the course of the mid-am and the history of this event, do you guys always choose multiple golf courses, or was this kind of unique to this particular venue to have two such drastically different golf courses be the the makeup of this event? Well, the 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 championship itself requires two courses. We had, well, we set a record this year, and it's based on, you know, where we're going with these two clubs. It's amazing. We had nearly 6,000 entries to the championship, and those 6,000 players uh, competed in 64 qualifying sites for the final 64 players to get here, 264, and uh, those 60, 264 get split between two courses. So, uh, we require 36 holes, whether there's one facility or two separate facilities. But when we were coming up here to Aaron, when we first started the conversation, we knew that Blue Mound had, had gone through a restoration and was doing some more uh, restorative work. And we just knew the, the history there and the great Seth Rayner golf course. And to be honest with you, the, the contrast between the two courses is what really attracted me is that you know, you look at Aaron Hills, and it's just it's just a brute. You know, we can get to 7,800 yards. The wind can blow. You know, the green complexes are just vicious. It, it's fantastic for elite, powerful player. 
And then you go over to Blue Mound, and it's a whole different concept. You know, it's it's classic early 20th century architecture. There are Rainer McDonald and 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 and, and various template holes that are there that just make you think when you're standing on the tee, and you've got to be more you got to be more meticulous over there to 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 put it you know plainly. You got to be smarter. And and I think the combination of the two courses for these 264 players are going to put the best 64 through because they're going to have to play two different types of games. Talking with Bill McCarthy, he is the championship director for the 41st U.S. Mid-Amateur coming to Wisconsin. Starts this Saturday, Blue Mountain Country Club and Aaron Hills, the host courses. Uh, Bill, how can, you know, how can fans watch the events and what makes this a viewing experience? Well, too, that's a great question because it's so much fun. We, we do not charge tickets. There's no admission. So you can come on over to Blue Mound Saturday and Sunday or Aaron Hill Saturday and Sunday to watch uh, stroke play. Uh, so the players split in two halves, and they play one course one day, the other course the other day. And then beginning Monday, we're only over at Aaron Hills, and that's for match play. So the top 64 play on Monday. And we whittle our way down, just kind of like an NCAA bracket, uh, to a 36-hole final on Thursday with just two players. Uh, We've got parking on site at both facilities. Come on over, watch some great golf. And I think the uniqueness about this championship, you know, at the break, I heard you guys talking about amateur golf and, and, and our championships, which is awesome. You know, we've got our U.S. Amateur Championship, which is the biggest and best amateur championship in the world, period. But, you know, those kids are all elite college players, and they're bound for the tour or try to play professional golf. You know, we've got 264 players here who are, you know, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're construction guys, they're accountants. They've got real jobs and real families, and, and they're able to maintain their play at a national and worldwide elite level. It's an pretty, it's pretty impressive. So I like to call the mid-am our, our real amateur championship. No disrespect to the amateur, but this is it for me. Bill, I'm curious um, if you were to build your uh, perfect golfer to compete at these two courses, how would you build them? Because I feel like Aaron and Blue Mound are so uniquely different when it comes to tests of golf. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I think that this player is going to have to, number one, he's going to have to hit it far. Uh, because, you know, Aaron Hills just presents us with an opportunity for length and power. Uh, and so it's a, it's a big golf course, and he's going to have to hit the ball far and accurately to do that. But at the same time, when he slides over to Blue Mound, that, that big, powerful player is going to have to adjust. Uh, he's going to not tone down the driver, but maybe just pick the right club and the right positioning off the tees. So as I said earlier, he's got to be a little bit more contemplative, a little bit smarter over at Blue Mound, because when, when you're over there, you've got to think about the whole location before you hit your tee shot. You just have to. Uh, because of those uh, rainer greens and how shelved they are, they, they lend themselves to the correct angle of attack to the, from the fairway. So you've got to hit the correct side of the fairway to give you the best opportunity to play. So th- this player is going to have to hit it long. He's going to have to adjust. But at the same time, I would not be surprised if, a, if not a powerful player gets through and does well because hitting the fairways at Aaron is might be more important than hitting it far. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Probably my two favorite 
green complexes in the entire state of Wisconsin. These players are going to be playing this weekend. It's going to be fun to watch them roll some putts. Bill, have you guys made any changes uh, to the golf course? Are there going to be any differences for, you know, when I go out there and play versus what you guys have set up for the mid-amp? No, actually, you know, when we a couple of things, but they're not, you know, they're kind of quiet. You know, we, we Aaron prevent, presents us with so many options. Uh, you know, it's just such a good and strong golf course that, you know, we're just going to tighten things up from a firmness and speed standpoint, and we're ready to play. Uh, over at Blue Mound, uh, they've helped us out a bit. They're growing a rough pretty solid because it's a little bit of a shorter golf course. Um, you know, and the greens are going to be pretty firm, pretty fast. And they built a new tee over at number, uh, hole number eight at Blue Mound, which stretches that punch bowl hole, which is probably the best punch bowl in the world, my goodness, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to 475 yards uphill. Uh, oh, that's and then we're also, yeah, it's strong. And then, and then if you know the short sixth hole, uh, we're actually using the back of the short sixth hole. Alex Basin Crone, the superintendent over there, was nice enough to extend that tee for us to use for the, whole, the play of hole nine which gives it a bitter, little better angle, uh, turns it into a bit of a dog leg. Now you got to you know, really challenge some cross bunkers and adds about 15, 20 yards to the length of the hole. So a couple little quiet things there, but overall we're just plug and play and ready to go. Bill, uh, this is going to be the 16th USGA championship played in Wisconsin, the second U.S. mid-am contested in the state. Uh, what is it about golf in Wisconsin that um, has you guys so interested? Well, I think it's a combination of things. One, number one, I'm sitting here at Aaron Hills. I'm watching the sunset. I'm talking to you guys about a great championship. I'm drinking a spotted cow. Holy cow! Wow. How, could, how could it? How could it not be awesome? But I think it's you know I think more importantly it's the hospitality uh, and the quality of golf. You know, no matter where we go, whether it's Century or Milwaukee, you know, or here or Blue Mound or wherever we might be in the state. We just feel so welcome, and, and that's the key to a successful championship because we've got, you know, 300 volunteers that are going to be helping us out. The staff at Aaron Hills, uh, led by John Morissette, and the folks over at Blue Mound are just turning out in droves to, to, to volunteer and help us, and we feel so welcome, uh, and that's the key. We just want to come back and have a good time and present a great opportunity for our players. Bill, I just got to say, fescue rescue. If you're going to be sitting there, the sun is setting at Aaron Hills, you got to have a fescue rescue. I'm about 10 minutes If you don't know what it is, just ask the bartender. Oh, I've had a few. They're absolutely outstanding. That's, I mean, we always wish we had the fescue rescue waiting for us when we get off the 18th, no matter where we are. Uh, talking with Bill McCarthy, championship director for the 31st U.S. Mid-Amateur happening at Aaron Hills and Blue Mile Country Club starting on Saturday. And, Bill, because of the now rich history, despite it not being around for very long, Aaron Hills hosting all these USGA events, uh, is do you use the Mid-Am at all as kind of... Uh, Okay, this went right, this went wrong, when the USGA comes back in 2025 for the U.S. Women's Open? Well, I think every time we host a championship and we're going to return, we use it as not necessarily a testing ground, but, but ways to improve. I mean, we're going we're gonna to put on a great show here, there's no question. But every time you do something, you learn and you improve and you do things better. You know, and we step up to the Women's Open in a few years, that's a little bit bigger animal in terms of corporate hospitality and grandstands and paid admission and the whole nine yards. So it's a little bigger deal, but I think, it, I think you know, something like the Mid-Am followed 
which followed the U.S. Open, which is the granddaddy of them all. Uh, you know, let's let's Aaron Hills and Blue Mound just kind of kind of catch their breath, still have their toe in the water with national championship, and gear up again in a few years for the Women's Open. Bill, has there been any conversations with Aaron about hosting another U.S. Open? Well, I'm not involved in those columns conversations, but you know, from a personal standpoint, I hope so. Um, that's above my pay grade, but it, we'll see how we play out. You know, it's it's a wonderful place to be. It was a great challenge back uh, back a few years ago. I spent 14 days on site back then, and and it was just a wonderful championship. So never know how it might go. What if I got you a couple more fescue rescues? Could we have a conversation <laughs> about bringing it back? <laughs> It wouldn't take more than a couple, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, uh, sorry to keep you from your spotted cow this long. So we will let you get back to the spotted cow and that beautiful sunset at Aaron Hills. And I know Stephen and I are looking forward to the event. I know you are as well. The 41st U.S. Mid-Amateur at Aaron Hills and Blue Mile Country Club starting on Saturday. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Thanks for what you do. Bill McCarthy joining us here on the tee. We we had a chance to talk with Bill when they had their media day at Aaron Hills. I mean, just his, I mean, his love for the game of golf and his passion for this championship. It, it gets me excited for it, so I can't wait to get out there and check it out. Yeah, and it's really a championship for the regular golfer. I think that's what makes this event really unique. Is you can go out there. It's free admission. Even if you've never been at Aaron Hills or Blue Mountain, this is an opportunity to go walk around two of the best golf properties in the entire country. Forget about Wisconsin. Um, they, it's must attend. If uh, you'll know, get to see some great golf, it's a unique type of setup with stroke play and match play. Um, it, it's it's a fun weekend. It's a really cool event. I, I can't wait to be out there for yeah, it. Again, doesn't cost you anything. So go out there, Blue Mound. Go out to Aaron Hills if you're in the area and want to watch them. Again, really high level golf. Stuart Hagestad won this thing last year. He's a two time champ of the U.S. Mid Am. The first time he won it, I want to say in 2017, he got an invite to the Masters and made the cut. Ah. So like that's the level of golf that these guys are capable of, and you will see on display this weekend right here in the state of Wisconsin. We did not play that level of golf here today <laughs> at Lac LaBelle. Uh, we still had fun, and we're going to give you our review of Lac LaBelle coming up next. But first, I do need to tell you about our friends over at the Bog. Rated one of the top five Palmer courses in the U.S., the Bog offers a challenging but playable golf course. And obviously, it's got a great, great natural setting in Sockville. It's on a Bog. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, it's home of the ESPN Wisconsin Open. Do great things with the MAC Fund as well. So make sure you go to golfthebog.com to book your tee time today. Anytime you shoot a good score at the bog, you know you played your golf ball well that day. Course review, Black LaBelle next on the tee. No ifs, ands, or putts. There's more on the tee with Gabe and Steven coming up on 94.5 ESPN. On the tee with Gabe Neitzel and Steven Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Annex Wealth Management, a proud sponsor of On the Tee. It's time to know the difference. Annex Wealth Management provides investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning as a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to put things in order. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Gabe Nights with Stephen Watson hanging out at Lac LaBelle. We tell you everything that we learned today about Lac LaBelle right now, courtesy of our friends at Waste Management. Fescue, hole placement, dog legs, hazards. What don't you want to know about Wisconsin's variety of golf courses? It's time for On the Tee to give you a course review. Brought to you by Waste Management, a company that values inclusion and diversity, safety, our customers, and the environment. Join the WM family and visit careers.wm.com. 
So I have been out here at Lac LaBelle a couple of times. I was very fortunate to play it uh, in the fall of the year it first opened. It opened in the middle of summer of 2020 during the pandemic. And uh, beautiful restoration, renovation out here. It's more of a renovation than a restoration because they, they added new property. So if yeah. you haven't been out here you know, since 2017 when they then went through it all, it, it, it is completely different. Um, you know, they have... The first four holes on the other side of the streets, they're going to be doing a lot of things over there as well in terms of some hospitality that they want to set up. Uh, but it's a cool golf course. The one word that I will prepare you for and the one word I'll use, Stephen, if you haven't been out here, is different. It's different. Yeah, and, and I think it's one of those golf courses, this being my first time out on the property, seeing any part of Lac LaBelle um, and not seeing what it looked like before is – I, I, I think unique is also is a word that comes to mind for me because it um, is one of those golf courses that challenges you to use different clubs in your bag, something that you and I always talk about we love to see at golf courses. Um, but it's also the greens out here are very challenging and very unique in the way that they kind of are like, they what can you, frustrate what you, you for the first see, few holes. What you would see on like a Drumlin putting course out at Aaron Hills, and they actually have one here on the backside. Uh, putts that you don't, you're not used to seeing on a golf course, and they have them on the greens here. The undulation is unbelievable on these greens, and if you're not in the right spot, Gabe, four putts are real out here. Oh. I mean, it, and and this is this is with grass that is still growing, and when this place dries out, like. In a couple of years, when the grass is really mature, this is going to be one of the tougher tests in golf in this state. Ooh, but it um, was really enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, as you kind of get to know the course a little bit more, and this is my first time out here this year, so you kind of forget about a couple of them. Maybe you remember a few from the first time that you played. Um, but, you know, okay, I think there's a slope here, and you might be able to use some of the slopes. Like, oh, I've got a backstop here. Oh, I can funnel it down and use some slopes there. It's a course that I think as you play more – you kind of gain that course knowledge, you know, because of all the different slopes on the greens that you're talking about. The greens are huge. Depending yeah. upon where the pin is, it can be a pretty benign hole, or it's, oh, man, this thing's tucked all the way in the back or right there in the front like it was today on nine with big old false front. You get terrified because there was literally no way to hit your ball in f and have the uphill putt Yep. Today, I mean, you would have you would have had to hit a perfect shot, but there was very little room before the the false front was in that pin. So now you're putting towards that pin, terrified of putting off the green because it's going to end up 40 yards away down the hill. Yeah, and, and you know, I got a little yip with my 56 degree wedge when it comes to chipping greenside, but I I took out the Texas. Oh, wedge it was a, a beautiful Texas wedge uh, because I I it, you know it's in great shape. The grass out here, again, for being a young course, is really really nice. Um, but it, it it's also one of those where if you miss the pin by a lot, you're putting from a long distance. Like there is, there is no benefit to missing in the wrong spots on these greens because of the way the the undulation and, and they they track balls to certain parts. Um, they definitely have some fun out here with their pin placements, and you can tell. And it's, I mean, we played the the blue tees, which were the one up. You can play a combination, or you can play black. Black, there are a couple of tees way back there that would made it really interesting mm -hmm. today. But especially because of that, at least for me, it kind of took driver out of my hands on the front nine. I only hit one driver, and it was on the par five on the front. And on the back, I was able to hit a few more drivers, which, I mean, I was thankful for because, I mean, I hit a couple of bombs. My guy Mike over at X-Golf hooked me up. I yeah. may or may not have broken a pass driver, but I've got... I've got a Callaway Rogue currently in the bag, and there were some bombs being hit, but, courtesy of but that for Callaway you, Rogue. Like, you don't play many golf courses where you hit driver 
three times. I mean, no. you, you did not need driver out here. It's no. definitely a plotting no, golf course. Oh, and I mean, I, I tried to hit it. I don't need to hit it on the the drivable par four back. I mean, it's 310 yards or whatever um, on the back nine. And I probably shouldn't hit it, but I feel like I want to hit it because I love hitting drivers so much, especially the way I've been swinging it like the last week. It's been feeling good. I've got confidence in it. But, I mean, on the par, on the par five on the back, the first one, hole 12, I hit iron, iron, and it rolled over the green. Yeah. Like, because I flew the iron, and, and because the, the greens were firm, clearly not going to hold. You got to – you have to – you have to think your way around it a little bit more. And once you notice, oh, this is rolling out a little bit more, maybe I need to land it here, land it there, you got to think your way through the golf course a little yeah, bit Yeah, it's more. definitely going to be one of those courses I want to play again because I can go into it with a different mindset of knowing where the misses are. I mean, I think that's such a big part of becoming you know, a good golfer is knowing how to control your misses more yeah. than hitting great shots. And out here, your misses can really get you into trouble based on where you are on the greens because this is a total putting course. I mean, you score here by putting well. Yep. And um, if and the way the undulation and the false fronts are around the greens, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's great on the eyes. Um, it's it's fun approach shots. It really makes you think. You got to you got to hit putts, and that's that's my takeaway from playing here for the first time is you got to be rolling the ball well to to score. And there are subtleties. Take if you come out here for the first time, and look. I don't want to encourage slow play. This is not encouraging slow play. But take your time on the greens. Yeah. Like, don't just rush through it because there are going to be some little subtle things. I know I heard you say it once or twice where you hit a putt and then you walk over for your next putt because it ended up going someplace you weren't expecting. You're going, oh, now that I'm over here, yeah. I can see that a little bit better. Because the greens are so extreme and then there's some subtlety to them as well, make sure you take take your time and, and make sure you're kind of observing Everything you can about those greens, whether you're walking up before you hit your putt, all those sort of things, so you don't get caught up by you know on you don't get caught off guard like we did a couple times. Because the greens are so big, and um, a lot of them have multiple tiers to them that it, it's uh yeah it, it was it was really a unique and different golf experience, all in a positive way, Gabe. I mean this is a, this is a gorgeous property. Oh, and out they're here. very proud of their history here. Yeah, um, they've really leaned into that with their new ownership, and you can see that with the rivalry pub inside and some of the, the historic things that they have on their walls in the pub in the clubhouse that you can certainly read about and and really soak in. What was your favorite hole out there today? Um, I don't remember the number. First time out here is the par three. Um, or wait, what was the uh, uh, the punch bowl hole? The that was a great green. Hole. I'm trying to think. On probably on should the back, the number on the back side. Yeah, there was a punch bowl green that I really liked. Uh, so it wasn't ten. Wasn't no, that was elevated a little bit more. I mean, kind of. Were you thinking about the par the, five? The, the par the par three with the the multiple tiers. From the tee oh, box, is number four. Number four. Number four is very, very interesting. That's a really fun and and easy on the eyes hole, and that's that's one of their new holes. Yeah, on the other side. Yeah, um, it's, it's I just, think I think the back nine is definitely the strength of this golf course. I would agree. Um, but I I really liked four. I thought that was a really cool par three. Yeah.
Yeah, four is a really cool par three. Certainly has a couple hole in one pins. It's uh, it, it's a really unique hole. I love eighteen as a finishing hole. It is a great. It's it's up the hill. It's a long. You have to hit two quality shots to get it on the green. And then oh by the way, the, the really challenging thing here is the greens, as we just mentioned. Yeah. So you got to roll a good putt. And it's a part of their new putting complex too. Like yeah. it, the putting complex kind of bleeds into eighteen. It's a really clean look. Um, they definitely. The, the renovation was gorgeous out here. The property, the buildings. I mean, we're, we're sitting here as the sun is setting. It's a beautiful night in Wisconsin. Uh, can't recommend this place enough for golfers. We have hit the month of September. Still plenty of golf to be played. We're and we're going to be talking about it all right here. So make sure you tune us in next week on the team.